If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. There we go. Oh my <laughs> gosh. We're back at it, guys. My name is Hallie. My name is Allison. And, and this, this is, is ruined. ruined, a podcast where we ruin a horror movie for, for you every week. Yes. And uh, if it's your first time joining us, thanks so much. Um, yeah, welcome aboard. Wa- listen to every single episode before this, before yes. you before you join, or else you're not going to get any of this. Yeah, none of it will make sense, uh, except that it absolutely will, because we're doing a different movie every week, obviously, and I'm excited for this week's. But I think uh, before we even get into this movie— we're going to do a reader question, or reader. I'm like, you know, you guys that read the podcast, a listener oh question. Yeah, I like to print out my podcast, bind them, <laughs> carry them with me on my commute from the toilet to my uh, living room. Yes. I will say we used to use a transcription software when we did mm. our editing. Um, and when I say we did our editing, I mean we would listen to it and have a professional um, edit this beautiful podcast for us. But... Um, the transcription of our podcast is one that I think would be good to read. I think people would like it because the transcription software did nothing but make mistakes, like not hear us and like insert like other words that like made no sense. It was just kind of like if something was dubbed into another language and then like back into English, it was like <laughs> almost correct. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to learn that like the AI has no comprehension of what my name is or how to spell it, which is also how humans approach Hallie. But that yes. makes sense to me. But it's like, you're a computer. You should be able to piece this together right now. Yeah, you're not Holly or like Habby or like all the Like, I also got plenty of other weird ones that I wish I could remember now that I've brought this up, but I don't. So well, we'll compile them again. We'll, yes. You'll be able to print them out. Uh, you'll mm-hmm. have to go to FedEx. You will have to pay out yeah. of pocket, but you will be able to print it out and yeah, read it'll to cost yourself. Like Seventy-five bucks, but you can have an analog ruined. I bet worth every penny. <laughs> uh, well, we've been kicking off our episodes with a reader question, so we will start now. Uh, this is a question from Mac. Uh, excellent question here. If you were to make a horror movie loosely based off your life, what would your spooky thing be? Monster, alien, finding love in New York. Love the pod. Oh, that's just the brat part where I'm going to brag yeah. about it. We still love the pod. It's the only thing that keeps me sane working through the graveyard shift. First of all, the spookiest shift we we have. The Second spookiest of all, shift there is. Thank you for the question. You know, I, I, I'll i be honest. This is maybe not exactly what I would do, but I just mm-hmm. saw something on Twitter that chilled me to the bone. So I'm going to say maybe this would be the spooky thing in, the, in okay. my horror movie. And it's about, um, you know, I think, and I've definitely thought this is like, oh, is my phone or my TV listening to me? And Allison, I think we already oh. talked about this now that I'm saying this. Yes, but let's talk about it again. Well, so basically what this person who was like a text, text journalist was saying <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, was that, no, your phone is not listening to you. Instead, what is happening is your phone has all the information of stuff you search and what you look up on your phone. Then if you are in proximity to another person's device, your phones share metadata with each other. No. So it's like, Mm-mm. if we talk about Mm-mm. vacuum cleaners, because I just bought one, and then Allison gets commercials or uh, ads for vacuum cleaners, she might rightly think, oh my God, our phones were listening. No, our phones don't have to listen, because my no. like Amazon or however, Target or whatever, is telling your phone what no. I bought, and then it's like, well, if she's nearby, she might also buy the same thing. Are our phones better friends than we are? <laughs> like They're like closer? They probably know more about each other than we do. I know. That's what's really fucked up. Um, Boy, I mean, like, I don't know what I'm Googling that I wouldn't tell you. Like, I essentially use it as Google for stuff that I don't know. Absolutely. But there is something where it's like suddenly, like, what if you started to get all these ads for, like, rope and, like, tarps and stuff? And you you realize the only person who's around is, like, your your partner or something. And you start to be like, who's buying all these shovels (gasps) and what are they going to do with them? So I would say that was my horror movie. I don't want to watch that movie, but I would hear you tell me about that. Hell yeah. Alternately, I just had a dream last night. This is true, and I don't listen again. Readers, write it with what you think this says about me. The premise of the dream was instead of getting a shot as a vaccine, we all had to go into these big, huge, like gymnasium locker room situations and receive a vaccine through a medical bidet. 
So we no. all are waiting, pantsless. <laughs> Luckily, I was just always with women, or was it like, I don't know, standing there embarrassed, waiting to use the medical bidet, and then afterwards realizing, oh, I just used a regular bidet, and I have to make a new appointment. What does oh. that mean? Wow. So it's not only like a, a shame-filled kind yes. of like, oh, it's like weirdly like vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's also like bureaucratically annoying. Yes. It also <laughs> like fucked up. You have to make multiple appointments for something now. Like that's a and, that's its own horror movie. And there maybe that is it's like sh- the the Venn diagram of shame, medicine, mm-hmm. and bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that is my most the my the locus of my terror. That makes yes, sense. That makes sense. Allison, what what if we're making the movie out of your life? What are we? What's the scary thing? Look, there's two obvious ones. Number one, identity theft. <laughs> My tongue. It's all we talk about. It is my, like, it is the thing that has ruined my life more than anything else, which is shocking because the other things that have ruined my life are also terrifying. But that's true. Identity theft is one, you know, I think the fact that you never really know what happened and you can never really get it back um, right. are pretty good horror tropes to play in. That's the obvious. I think that the other one that, that seems clear is like some kind of surgical body horror. Um, yeah, as I am now half robot with all the metal in my spine. Um, You're essentially it, a cyborg. I'm a cyborg. Um, and I feel like maybe I'm the villain. Or okay. is, the, is the medical device that's been planted inside of me changing me? Absolutely. It could Which be, is something I'm worried about in real life. <laughs> oh, boy. That's true. I mean, we're, aren't we all sort of cyborgs to begin with, with our phones? It's mm-hmm. only a matter of time yes. before everything's integrated. And then what happens if somebody steals your identity? They hacks into your, into your uh, medical devices. In your, yeah. They can make you do things. Wow. And, Combining those into one absolute nightmare of a life uh, would be a good movie. That is, I guess, how they write movies. It's like, what are yeah. the two scariest things I could think of? And it's okay, this. great. Let's combine them. Um, um, great question. Thank you so much, Matt. Love that question. And thank you for listening. Yes, keep writing in anything you guys want to ask us or hear about or, you know, thoughts thoughts you've had on movies that we've done that or maybe like weird pieces of information that we missed or like little trivia. Like we want to hear everything. We're here for you. And if you write in and we don't reply, please know we're just very bad at email and, yes. and we will get to your question eventually. Yes, um, yes. But we wanted to say kick off um, this week's episode, which is a movie that is about the one thing I'm kind of surprised neither of us brought up, which is, of course, high school. Oh, yes. The most yes. terrifying experience we all have to get through. I guess middle school more so, but high school, the emotional gauntlet, and in this case, an actual horror movie. This movie was recommended this week by listener Marie F. So, Marie, thank you for recommending this movie that I also have been, like, dying for us to do because I feel like it is culturally... Uh, talked about a lot. It is something that like seemed really fun. I remember when it came out and also uh, this lady is back in the tabloids again after what seemed like a break because of her new romance slash naked dress that she wore to some MTV nightmare. And uh, Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body starring Miss Megan Fox who, yes, I believe it was the Billboard Music Awards. Mm. Her and Machine Gun Kelly and his black tongue. He no. painted his tongue black. Um, it is kind of, you know, they are pulling it off. They are, of course, dating. Yes. Um, and I'm glad she's back. I personally love the movie Jennifer's Body. It is one of my, like, favorite, like, put it on while I'm doing something else because I've seen it so many oh, times. That's fun. She's fabulous in it. Um, Amanda Seyfried uh, co-stars. Adam Brody um, is in it. It's a perfect little uh, mini time capsule of 2009 with the fashions and the yes, music and everything. The so we wanted to um, kick things off. We always like to have Allison watch the trailer. Uh, so what did you think of the trailer of Jennifer's Body? It was like fun to go back to that time. Like you just said, mm-hmm. like 2009 nostalgia, which like, of course, at the time it was like contemporaneous with like what was coming out. Um, but just like the outfits, the like long torsos of exposed midriff thanks to, like, crop tops and mini cardigans and low-rise jeans. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, I remember this. This is horrifying. Um, I am, at 37, I am afraid of thinking about it again. Um, and I loved at the end, it had that thing that, like, we just haven't seen in years because, like, it doesn't matter, but it was, like, soundtrack featuring, you know, original yes. music by, and it was, like, a list of, like, eight performers who were all, like, absolutely popular at the time. And I was like, oh yeah, we don't like do 
soundtracks the way we used to. I don't think. Like, it's not as big a thing because, like, nobody buys that album, you know? I, yeah, like, I, I used to buy movie soundtracks. That was, oh, like, 100%. my favorite genre. The Scream soundtrack is, like, one of, like, Scream and Scream 2 mm-hmm. have two very good soundtracks. Um, yeah, some of the uh, artists on the Jennifer Jennifer's Body soundtrack include Panic at the Disco, Haley mm-hmm. Williams from Paramore, Florence and the Machine, mm-hmm. Dashboard Confessional, wow. yep. Cobra yep. Starship, which is a wow. band I have not thought of probably since 2009. No. Um, White Lies. Uh, this, I, I think, is it's a great example. The only movie that comes to mind as having a soundtrack recently was, um, do you see Birds of Prey? With Margaret, Margaret Robbie. Oh, no, but I remember that being, like, part of it. Yeah, it was, like, Doja Cat, Megan yeah. Thee Stallion. Like, clearly, yeah. they're, like, we are going to put as much money as possible yes. into the soundtrack. And I really liked that movie. I don't know if it was, when it came out, if it was hurt by the beginning of quarantine. I can't really recall. Mm, that's but right. I love a movie soundtrack. I will listen. Again, it will just be on Spotify. I won't purchase anything beyond right. that now. But I think it is super... A super fun addition, and it, it again creates that perfect time capsule of 2009. Yes. And yes. boy, I really feel like from 2000 to like 2012, fashion was like in a very stuck liminal state. I guess the only thing is like the jeans went became skinny, but like we were mm-hmm. still wearing like the little layered t shirts and like layered big t-shirts. belts. But like poppy colors, a big side like, bang. Everything was fitted in a way that, yes. like now, I think we play with proportion a bit more, and it's like cool to be wearing things that like have more volume. But then it was like the only like everything. Like maybe if you had a bubble hem on the dress you were wearing over jeans, that would be like the volume. Otherwise, everything was like very tight to the body. Yeah, the bandage dress. Yeah, like if you had a zipped up hoodie, it would be a skin tight, yes. cropped. Yeah, it was uh, like hoodie. treated like it was like a tight shirt that you just have. Yeah. Like everything was a tight shirt, even if it was like a jacket. Uh, takes you back shopping at Urban Outfitters. I Outfers. don't miss oh, it. Do you? I don't know whether you have the same connection, but the Urban Outfitters in New York on 14th and 6th closed. <gasps> it closed. And that I know. to me was like at this time period, I was in there every week buying some I didn't oh. need, absolutely crying in the um, dressing rooms. In between work and going out for drinks slash oh, going yeah. to shows, like to like pop in there, buy one dumb thing, and then like, be like, this is a new look. Oh, uh, totally reinvent your look by buying one $20 pair of flats yes. that was absolutely soaked the next day and un- unwearable. Yeah, because they were made of cardboard. Um, and so my question is, uh, we also like to take a baseline scary, is how scary do you find the concept of high school? I mean, very. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked about high school a bit um, for other, like one or two other movies, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like it's come up before, but maybe just because it's a horrific time. I think it's an awful age because, like, it's a place where you're, like, trapped and you're still living in, like, an environment that is, like, built for young people because school is, like, very structured mm-hmm. and your the expectations of you are very specific and, like, kind of limited. But you're still—but you think that you're an adult and you have the capacity for things like romantic and sexual mm-hmm. love and— Uh, responsibility and independence, and you actually don't because you're still a child. And it's like that awful part of like, oh, you're uncomfortable everywhere you are. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it also, it feeds into that uh, feeling, which I definitely felt at the age, it's like, my parents aren't going to understand this, so I'm just not going to bring it up to them, which is the the baseline of every high school horror movie is, I can't tell my Mm -hmm. parents about this. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get it, Mm -hmm. that a Mm -hmm. demon's about to kill my friends. Um, And then finally, before we kick things off, uh, Allison, do you think, uh, Javer's body will have a twist, and if so, would you like to guess the twist? Guess the twist. I mean, I do feel like there's a twist of some kind, or like mm-hmm. a reveal that we get in kind of the third act. Um, so I'm gonna say something about where her evil comes. I know she's evil. That's okay. in the trailer. Like maybe something about like what her evil comes from. Like Love what it. the hist- what the history of her. Venge- like, you know, mania seems to be. Love it. I, that's a perfect guest. Um, so let us begin our ruining of Jennifer's Body. This came out in 2009. It is written by Diablo Cody and directed by Karen Kusama. And I only say that because, oh, Karen Kusama also did The Invitation. Oh, yes. Um, fabulous film. And I only bring up the Diablo Cody because, again, this was her time. This Diablo was Cody. her time. So a lot of what's fun about this movie are like little one, like time capsule one-liners, some of which I've included, but other ones where it's, it's kind of a, a 30 rock of a horror movie. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of like very 2009 jokes. 
um, that I'm not going to be able to uh, encapsulate all of it, but right. just imagine that you're watching Juno and, and you sort of get the idea. I presume you saw Juno. I'm not sure. Of course. Yeah, I saw Juno. Would you call this a, is this a horror comedy or is this kind of a just slightly funnier horror movie? Like, how would you categorize Jennifer's body? I think this is a horror comedy, but it is structured, like, very easily. It has the structure of an actual sincere horror movie. So it's not goofy. I guess it is sort of similar to Shaun of the Dead where it's like, it is a horror movie. It's just filled with Mm -hmm. jokes. The characters themselves are comedic. Um, Okay. But yeah, I definitely think this is a horror comedy. I'm trying to think what else to compare it to. But I love horror comedy. So again, I know how you feel about them, but here we go. We're going to get... All right. All right. Hold on to your your hats. All right. so many hats on. (laughs) I keep meaning to ask you about that. You can take a (laughs) couple. I wear nine hats. Uh, Um, We we open on Jennifer, played by Megan Fox. She's watching TV late night, and she's kind of like drawing in her yearbook, like like a Mean Girls-style burn book. And, right. like, circling guys. And her family has a horse, which never comes up again. But it's just sort of grazing in the backyard, which I thought was an interesting choice. Because it's not okay. typically where you would leave a horse at night. Like, it usually would be in a barn or some sort yeah, of— Yeah, be in a horse house. Yeah. But, hey, again, uh, that's we don't have time for that because we are nope. about to get into it. And we see that as she's chewing on, like, the end of her hair, there's just, like, her teeth are barely covered in a layer of blood— and yeah. she looks bad. Like, she's gone. She's tired. She has, like, huge bags up, up under her eyes. And she's clearly up late. She's watching infomercials. And as she starts to go to sleep, we see um, Amanda Seyfried's uh, character, Needy, is staring in her window. And we hear oh. Needy say in Near voiceover. <laughs> Wait, what is that? You see the horse Near the horse? <laughs> I guess. I, again, it's a very strange choice to have the horse. It doesn't come yeah. up again. It plays no role in the film whatsoever. We so hear bizarre. we hear Needy say, "Hell is a teenage girl." So we find out All right. that so this is a flashback. We are now in the future, and Needy is committed to a psychiatric facility for the criminally insane, pretty much. And okay. um, she's saying, you know, I'm kind of a celebrity now. She has all these letters and toys and like religious items that somebody has sent her, and we see a framed photo of her boyfriend Chip. And she just talks about how how her life went so wrong and, like, how she ended up at this place. And a counselor comes over to talk to Needy about her needing to eat more than one toast at breakfast because it's not enough nutrition. And Needy turns to her and just kicks this counselor so hard she flies over a table and knocks her teeth out. And they drag Needy into solitary confinement and they throw her in. And she's just, like, so, like, distraught and screaming. And at night they play, like, Muzak. I'm assuming to torture Great. the patients. Yeah, and, that seems like it. And this is, she's like, this is where I'm, where I am now. Here is how I got. You might wonder how I got here. And this is, then we suddenly, we are back. Okay. A couple years previous, we are in uh, the town of Devil's Kettle, um, which is named after a whirlpool at the base of a waterfall that doesn't seem to have a bottom. And we see these two scientists throwing a bunch of like col- orange colored balls into the whirlpool to try to gauge its exit point, but they never find it. And that's sort of like their okay. only claim to fame as like this little town. Um, and we meet Needy, who's just a nerd, but in the way where it's like Amanda Seyfried is, again, the mo- one of the most stunning women Gorgeous. in the world. So they kind of had to like, they gave her the worst glasses, but kind of 2009 glasses, like these horrible like round yeah. brown plastic. Yeah, they are know. not good. And uh, they, they, they do the best to frump her up. And we see Chip plays drums in the band. And we see Jennifer's in the flag corps, which is a very different understanding of flag corps than was at my high school. As I was in flag corps and I was oh, a wow. petrifying nerd. Flag mm-hmm. corps was for the, the uncool girls who did not have the talent to be in marching band, but also were not like cute or coordinated enough to be a part of like the dance corps or to be a cheerleader. Okay. Did you have a flag corps at your high school? So we d- there was some kind of flag team, but I went to a high school where like also cheerleaders were not cool. Like that oh, was interesting. not a okay. cool thing to like. It was cool to be on the lacrosse and field hockey teams. It was that not was cool, cool to be a cheerleader. It was like I went to a school where like at least when I was there, like the my year in particular was like this. I think other years like popular hot girls did cheerlead, but like my year it was like. Everybody was like pretty religious, um, and everybody was like super athletic. Um, I was only one of those things. Yeah, athletic, I feel like not the, religious. The, the only thing to compare it to is like our prom king and queen were just like two people that everyone genuinely liked. 
Like they mm-hmm. were not like the popular like hot couple. It was just like this a friend of mine, Jessica, who everyone loved, and this kid David Raymer, who was like an artist. Now he's a drag artist in New York, and everyone just I genuinely really liked them. So yeah. I think similarly, but this movie is they are sticking to hot girls, yeah. nerds, they were like hot, losers, yeah. right? The all and of it, the all of the tropes we learned and can't hardly wait that reflected reality in some way and still do. I'm sure. Exactly. Oh, there's even an Ali Sheedy character who I guess at the time period would be like emo or screamo, you know, sort of a moody mm-hmm. eyeliner wearing guy. Um, Perfect. And so we see Needy, uh, she, we hear her voiceover and she's talking about Jennifer. They've been best friends their whole lives and they're looking at each other with like this very moony, loving expression. And this nasty girl named Chastity, who we see a couple times, Ugh. looks over at Needy's like, you guys are totally lesbian gay. Which brings us to our inclusion of this movie in Pride Month. Because I feel like when I first yes. saw this movie in 2009, I would not have thought of this as a queer movie. Mm-hmm. But seeing it again for in modern times, I do feel like that is what we're playing at. It's like, it's not that you could necessarily, that these are like a lesbian couple and they just are kept apart. It's more like mm-hmm. this intense female friendship that could at any moment turn into something sexual or romantic because of its intensity and whether or not the people in that relationship are aware of that or want to like go down that Mm -hmm. road or if they're afraid of it. And there is something too where it's like there is this fear of how intense their connection is, which in 2021 feels very gay to me. Like it's just like, okay, and that's an issue with uh, this doing this month in general. Is like there are a lot of horror movies that feel gay or are considered gay films, mm-hmm. but they're not explicitly like there's a gay couple at the center of it. Right, 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 right. It's not about that's not what the story is. And this is in part due to society's homophobia up until fairly recently. And then the other part of it is sort of like what, like playing with these like liminal, like intense feelings that you had in high school mm-hmm. that like. You know, when you're in your 20s, you're like, oh, I should have asked her out or whatever. This right. is like, you're not even there. Like, this is not, you're not self-opposed enough to, like, figure that out, yeah. if that makes sense. I do also think that, like, high school, those are like, that's like the first time you also start to have just, like, genuine, intense, like, platonic friendship that mm-hmm. feels very strange. Like, that you would, like, that, like, I remember having that with, like, women, but also with, like, men, like, boys and also like with gay boys and like and, and just like not being like like I thought I was in love with my gay best friend for so long and then I was like no that's just like what it means what being like very close friends was right. like to learn like high school is when you first start to be like now I'm confused because like you've only been like non-romantically and non-sexually interested in everybody up until that point so then all of a sudden like close friendship starts to be like wait is this romantic I don't know like that's like such right. a strange and- Strange time. Yeah, so I definitely feel like they are a relationship is this, like, intense relationship that does have this undercurrent of, like, you know, if we were older or if we were in a different place or, like, if one of us was, like, aware of it, would mm-hmm. this be something more? Right. Maybe, but right now it's just, like, this intense connection that they've intense had connection. for a long time. And so, of course, Needy's like, uh, no, no, we're not. Uh, uh, she's just my best friend, you know? And uh, Jennifer shows up at Needy's locker and says, we're going to Melody Lane, like the one dive bar, like on the outskirts of town, because mm-hmm. this band, Low Shoulder, was this indie band that Jennifer found on MySpace. Iconic. I mean, wow. They're playing, and the lead singer is extra salty. Again, thank you, Diablo Cody, for her <laughs> inventing some lingo. And we need to go. And Needy has plans with her boyfriend, Chip, but she, Jennifer kind of does it a couch Chip into the equation, so Needy mm-hmm. blows off Chip. Because Needy sort of just does whatever Jennifer wants her to do. Yes. If Jennifer wants her there, she's going. And um, she's getting ready, and it's like, oh, it's like a going out top, but it's like horrible low-rise jeans, a black Ugh. belt, a, a tank top, like a lacy tank top over a long sleeve T-shirt. Oh, my God. Well, we were all trying to, like, wear and look cool, like a rock look. It's it's horrible. It's so bad. And it aged so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is it's truly a time capsule. And so Chip is there, like, when he, while she's getting ready, and she, he clearly feels left out, but they end up kissing and— as soon as they start making out, Chip starts to take his belt off. But then as soon as he does, I know, it's a little, a little presumptuous, Chip. Um, Needy looks up and she says, Jennifer's here. And then a second later, she hears Jennifer calling. And Chip is like, how are you doing that? Like, that was very weird. So I think we're supposed to think, like, that's how intensely connected they are. It's like, she knows they Jennifer's in sense. the house. 
yeah. before she could even uh, say anything. And when they go downstairs, Jennifer, who is truly a vile person in a lot of this movie, but like in a really fun way, she's like, oh, it smells like Thai food. Were you guys fucking? And they're like, <laughs> no. Um, and Jennifer and, and Needy get into a, like a shoving, like playful shoving thing. And then she Jennifer just shoves Needy really hard against the door. She kind of slams into it. But then it's immediately brushed aside. And I thought like there's all these little fun moments like to set up like how weird and intense like at any point in time they're like fighting or like, you know, be like there's just mm-hmm. so much there, you know. Yes. So they go to Melody Lane, which is a full dive bar. There's like pickled eggs. And they see a couple of their classmates, Craig, who unsuccessfully tries to hit on Jennifer. Um, the Indian mm-hmm. foreign exchange student, Ahmed, who Jennifer says she wants to hook up with because he's probably uncircumcised. And I quote, I've always wanted to try sea cucumber. Oh. And then Roman, yeah, I mean, Roman, who is played by Chris Pratt. And so I guess what I think he's like a police cadet. Oh. He's like two months out of, you know, away from being an actual cop. And he and Jennifer have been hooking up on and off. And uh, they sort of have like a cast. I know. Oh, exactly. Um, and so they kind of have a little back and forth. But as soon as the band takes the stage, mm-hmm. Jennifer is like, "Fuck you! I have no interest in this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to hook up with the lead singer." So she is at the front of the. You know, she introduces them. She's like, "I'm gonna get you guys shots. We have nine eleven themed sh- shooters that I'm gonna buy you guys." <sighs> Um, and she runs off to get them, and Needy's playing um, like a pinball machine, and Needy overhears the band talking about Jennifer, and Nikolai, the lead singer played by Adam Brody, is like, I'm telling you, she's a virgin, she's perfect, I grew up in a small town, I know girls like that, they might act like they're like giving it away, but they're never giving it away. And Needy walks over and was like, yeah, my friend's a virgin, like, fuck you, she could do better than creeps like you, and storms away. Unfortunately, by confirming that Jennifer is a virgin, she has mm. uh, unfortunately set into motion things that cannot be uh, undone. Okay. And uh, Needy goes over and she's like, those guys are creeps. Do not go give them those drinks. Like, don't talk to them. I, I, I just heard that they only want to sleep with you because you're a virgin. And Jennifer says, what? I'm not even a backdoor virgin anymore thanks to Roman. And by the way, that hurts. I couldn't even go to Flags the next day. I had to stay home and sit on a bag of frozen peas. And then as soon as the music starts playing, like, Jennifer is just, like, mesmerized by this lead singer and, like, cannot believe it. And she's so excited. She grabs Needy's hand, and Needy smiles, and, like, they have this, like, electric little moment. But then um, Jennifer drops her hand, and Needy sort of realizes, like, oh, it's not about us. It's now about the band. Like, And so Mm -hmm. there's, like, this little jealousy of, like, you yes. know, Jennifer is now so totally fixated on these guys. Yes. Um, and they play their signature song, Through the Trees, which is really interesting. So it turns out, so this is the band Low Shoulder, and it is like a very, like, The Killers, you know, like, in that mm-hmm. 2009 t- type of way. A great song. And it was written by Andrew Empaya and Ryan Levine. They were a band known as Low Shoulder at the time. Oh. And then they changed their name in 2009 to No Country, and they've since changed it to Wilding. So that band, I mean, obviously, Adam Brody is the lead singer. Right. But the band is an actual band. Is a band. Is, was Low Shoulder at the time. And that song was, is an actual, like, could be released on, like, it's a, as good of a song as, say, you'll find in a uh, Josie and the Pussycats or any, any a, that thing you do. Like, a song that is good enough that you're like, I get why this song would be a hit. Yes, yes. And so, unfortunately, while they're watching this, a electrical fire starts, and suddenly the bar is consumed Perfect. in flames. People are screaming. We see Ahmed get hit by a falling timber. Like, people are on fire. The, clearly, there's no fire codes. The exits are not yeah, set up the way they need to. it is my biggest fear about bars sometimes. Absolutely. Like, oh, if this thing, if somebody lights a match and it drops on the bar, this whole thing is, got, like, we're all dead. Absolutely. And so Needy's able to get Jennifer into the bathroom and they escape through the window just in time. Like, it's they would have been killed. And so Jennifer's kind of, like, you know, catatonic, like, just stunned by this. Everybody's coughing. There's smoke everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Nikolai, the lead singer, comes over. He's like, oh, my God, that was crazy. You guys should come, like, um, come into our van, and, you know, and we'll help take care of you. Needy, of course, is like, we're not getting in your van. But Jennifer goes. And they oh, have this moment Jennifer. when he's like, do not go with these guys. And she, she literally is like, shut up, Needy. Like, just be cool for two seconds. And Needy refuses to get in the van, and she watches as Nick, like, shuts the door, and the van drives off into the night. And you know, 
in real life, this is just as bad as if it's the movie version of it. Yes, yes, yes. There is no good outcome to this, real or scripted. Yeah. So um, Needy ends up walking home because I, I think they drove in Jennifer's car. So Needy walks home as the firefighters are arriving. She calls Chip. She's like, oh, my God, the bar caught on fire. I could smell people's bodies burning. And then Jennifer going in oh this van with these guys. And Chip's like, oh, my God, like, are you okay? Should I come over? And just then the doorbell rings. And Needy says, oh, her mom's doing, a like, a, a graveyard shift. And she's not home. So Needy is alone in the house. And she goes downstairs. There's nobody on the porch. But she hears someone in the kitchen. And when she goes in there, she finds Jennifer covered in blood with her, her, um, her clothes torn apart. And she just smiles this big, bloody smile. And, of course, Needy's like, are you okay? What happened? Yeah. And so instead of replying, Jennifer goes and opens the fridge door and pulls out a rotisserie chicken and throws it on the ground and then just starts eating the chicken what? on the ground. And Needy's like, um, my mom got that. That's for dinner. Like, we're not supposed to. And as soon as she tries to intervene, um, Jennifer screams like this dinosaur scream and vomits all of the like, gallons of black bile all over Needy. And it looks what? like, um, it's like CGI. So it's like becoming these like needles and like, moving as she's vomiting it, which you could imagine Needy is like, oh, shit. But before she can get to her cell phone to, like, call the police or call her mom or whatever. Who would you even call? (laughs) This is the the same thing with the birds. It's like, um, uh, hi, somebody vomited something that's alive. Oh, okay, we'll send someone right over. Like, what are you supposed (laughs) to do about it? And before she can get to her cell phone, Jennifer throws her against the wall and sort of, like, runs her hands up Needy's body and she whispers, are you scared? And she sort of, like, puts her lips to Needy's neck. And you're not sure, like, if she's going to kiss her or, like, dig her Bite teeth into her, her yeah. neck. And then fi- suddenly, like, Jennifer drops her and then just leaves the house. So, I'm, Allison, I'm asking you now, what do you do in this situation? What would you do? I mean, I would definitely tell my mom... Like, it'd be hard not to because, like, the chicken would come into question at some point. And I'd be like, right, well, yeah. so Jennifer Absolutely. was here. Oh, really? Okay, so, like, what happened was, and then. Did she eat the chicken? Yeah, I don't it's like, she ate the chicken, that but chicken. that's kind of the least of our problems. Um, oh, it's, it's about to be the most of your problems, young lady. Um, <laughs> you, don't even, you don't even get to the part where she's vomiting. It's right, she's so mad the about the chicken. She's like, I can't even talk to you. Um, but then I guess, like, again, like, I never like in the real, like, the reality version of this, which is. Not great, but in the movie, I would want to call the police. Yes, and be what like, could they I, do? Don't know. "I don't know. This girl, something's happening. I now feel unsafe. Also, I'm covered in something." Yes. Mm. Um. Well, unfortunately, she doesn't do that. Instead, she just goes to school the next day, and the Whew. the Melody Lane burning down is like the talk of the town. Everybody knows about it. Everyone's like, "Oh my god!" I heard that Jennifer and. Needy were there, and they had to fight their way out with a machete. Like, there's all these, like, rumors going yeah. around. Um, we find out that eight students, several parents, and the Spanish teacher, Senora Erickson, died in the blaze. Whoa. And Needy is, like, stu- in a stupor. Like, she's just sitting in her science lab. What have you called that? The two-person desk, just staring yeah. out into the distance, not knowing what to do. Not And then suddenly, um, Jennifer just shows up, and she looks totally fine. And she's like, hey, how's okay. it going, Mama's dad? And Needy's like, what do you mean? How's it going? Like, you came over my house, and we see his flashback, and Needy has to, like, spend hours cleaning the stuff off the linoleum. Oh, God. And has it still jammed under her fingertips. And Jennifer's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. I was just, like, really fucked up. Like, she doesn't, she has no explanation for it. And she's so callous about all these people that have died. She's just, like, making jokes, like, as the teacher is presenting. Oh, and the teacher is played by J.K. Simmons, uh, Mr. Robles- oh, perfect. Robluski. Mr. Robluski, and he has uh, got an insane wig, and he's also got a hook for a hand for no reason. Oh, that's fun. <sighs> yeah. Um, and But everyone is, like, really traumatized, and I do feel like they are making a lot of parallels to Columbine in this movie of, like, how this, the, the tragedy that befalls the town sort of becomes this national sensation, and then, like, all the stories around it start changing. Okay. Um, like for example, at a certain point, Needy's at home and she's, um, playing with her ferret and she hears on the radio that low shoulder 
people sort of think like they were the heroes. Like they got people out of there. Like they were, they sort of, and they sort of start to rise to prominence. But she, of course, knows that didn't happen. Like they just ran out of there and then like took Jennifer with them. Right. Um, But, you know, obviously a lot of students are traumatized. We see this football player, Jonas, who's sobbing. He was best friends with Craig. And Jennifer is the only one who's like completely callous. And Needy tries to talk to Chip about Jennifer coming over and vomiting up all the ooze. And Chip's like, maybe she inhaled a lot of smoke. Like maybe she was just, she like looked really sick. good effort. Exactly. But no. Chip is trying to come up with something. She's like, no. Something. Yeah. And she's like, no, it was evil. Like I felt the presence of evil. And Chip's like, I don't mean to be this, say this in a judgy way, but maybe you should talk to the school counselor. Like, obviously, you're going to feel fucked up and scared. Like, you saw people die. Like, it was really traumatic. But Needy's like, nah, it wasn't that. It was something else. Yeah, she's um, like, the fire is not even registering on my trauma scale right <laughs> Yeah, now. that's the least of what I'm concerned about. Um, and they're interrupted by Ky- uh, Colin, who's played by Kyle Gallner, who I remember from Veronica Mars, also 2009, mm-hmm. mo- a, mo- a moment in time. And um, he's, like, very emo or goth. And he sort of has, like, hey, Needy, I'm really, I'm so glad you, like, didn't just die in that fire. Like, you escaped the fiery bowels of Melody Lane, clearly flirting with her. And in this way that makes Chip sort of really jealous. But so they end up going Mm. home. And as soon as they go home, you know, everyone goes home for the day. Jennifer approaches Jonas, the football player we saw crying, and was like, you know, I was there and I actually heard Craig's, like, last words. And he told me that he thought you and I would be like a totally banging couple. And it's just crazy that that would be the last thing that he said. Obviously, he didn't say that. But Jonas is like, he said banging? And Jennifer leads him <laughs> into the woods to hook up. And as they're making out, all of these woodland creatures, cervids, you know, foxes, oh, crows. Well, once cervids are around, crows, cervids and crows, you got yourself a horror movie. And so, and what I like about this movie is like every boy who is sort of finds himself in this position with Jennifer, they know something is wrong. It's not like, oh, yes. cool, I get to hang out with this hot chick. It's like, oh, cool, wait a minute, why are all these deers? This is a, like, they are p- able to pick up right, on it right. in a way that it's like, yeah, they're normal human beings. Like before anything happens, they're like, oh, wrong. This is, this is wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately, once you're alone with Jennifer, too late. It's too late. And she s- strips off her clothes and, you know, sort of starts, they start hooking up and she says, you know, like, you're going to be with Craig one day. Like, don't worry. And he says, oh, you mean like in heaven? And she's like, no, I don't. And then suddenly her jaws rip open into sort of an alligator, dinosaur, Uh monster, unhinged snake jaw. And she attacks him. And Mr. Uh, Robluski hears Jonas screaming, like as he's getting in his car in the parking lot. He's like, oh, let it out, kids. You know, just like let feel the grief, you know, not understanding what he's hearing at all. Yeah. And pretty soon afterwards, uh, Jonas's body has been found. He has been mostly eaten. And uh, when he has found a deer is eating part of its body, which seems like very undeer like behavior. Uh, do we even know? I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I'll say I that. Would have passed, I would have put it past a deer to eat part of a human remains. They got to eat. Deer got to eat. I got to feel like they don't have the teeth for it. I, in my mind, like, deer just have plant-eating teeth. Mm. In my mind, they are more vicious than the a standard forest herbivore. But, you know, if you know a lot about deer, will you tell us? Just write it. Yeah. I feel like they could definitely fuck your car up, but that's mostly unintentional. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're just scared. And so, uh, at home, Needy's mother, played by Amy Sedaris. Um, oh, I love it. She's really ch- oh, fabulous. And she's also, like, super checked out because she has to work all these crazy hours. So she's getting mm-hmm. up, like, at four when Needy's getting home. And right. she tells Needy, I had this dream where this whole crowd was trying to crucify you, but I wouldn't let them, which is a terrifying dream to hear your mother tell That's you. That's awful. And that night, uh, Needy uh, gets a call, and apparently Chip is calling to tell her that Craig's body has been found. Okay. And uh, he, she rushes out the phone with Jennifer because Jennifer's like, oh, I'm feeling so good. I'm having such a good day. Meanwhile, Needy's like, people burned to death. Like, what, why are you like this? Like, what is wrong with you? Yes. Um, but she runs off to meet up with Chip near his house. And it turns out the cops are over at Jonas's house. And Chip's like, apparently, not only was this horrible fire yesterday, a cannibal psychopath is loose in our town and has eaten most of our star quarterback. And it's sort of like, what are the odds? So Needy's like, these things are connected. 
But Chip, yes. like, how were they connected? Like, what would have caught, like, a fire right. and a killer? Like, why would they, in, what, what, how would they be connected? So, again, Chip is already establishing himself as someone who does not believe. And what we know from okay. our episodes is you got to believe. You got to be gotta at least believe. open to the possibility. If not, well, we'll see what happens to him later. So, a month passes, and everyone is, like, depressed and exhausted both because of the fire and Jonas's murder, but also because they become like, like every day the press is there. They're like international news stories in a way that feels very Columbine-esque. And Low Shoulders, like the Through the Trees song we heard playing, sort of has become like the anthem surrounding Great. the tragedy in their town. And yeah. it reminded me of uh, the uh, comparison to Columbine, which is Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You, which... I remember it's something that like would just play on the news over like you know people holding memorials yeah. and stuff. Yes, but I I googled it and I forgot about this. So apparently, at a certain point, Jefferson County, which is where Columbine is, they mm-hmm. were selling videotapes from the Columbine crime scene for twenty five dollars, <gasps> set over uh, with McLaughlin's song set what? over it. And apparently, they had made the tape as a training video. And this is from a CBC article I found. And it had helicopter footage of attempts to reach victims outside the school. It also showed the damaged cafeteria classrooms in the library where 10 students were killed. So they were selling what they had no. made. Like, essentially, they took a training video and then put Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You over it and were selling it for $25. No. Like, like, as, like, a commemorative thing? I guess so. And who Sarah McLaughlin that? essentially threatened to sue, well, I Good. guess the same people who bought, like, 9-11 cheese plates and yeah, Princess Die Beanie Babies. We love yeah. a, a gruesome, we love um, a, a commemorative artifact. Yeah, souvenir. I, I don't know. Souvenir it, of but, trauma. So but I, I don't I had no memory I, of that. I remember the song being associated with Columbine, but not that they I didn't were know literally that. selling tapes no, of it. That's crazy. Well, so yeah, so similarly, Through the Trees has sort of become it's constantly playing. And Needy is, you know, like, the, these schmoes were just there. I don't even know what they did with Jennifer, but it wasn't good. When she showed to my house, she was a wreck. And they're claiming they were these heroes that rescued people, which is just not true. We all know right. that. Um, Jennifer, who normally, again, she's Megan Fox, stunning, gorgeous. I mean, perfect casting. I mean, in as much, like, Tippi Hedren, Megan Fox. Like, that's how, like, how yes. we're talking about yes. Yes. She looks horrible. She looks tired. Like, you know, she's thin. She's weak. She's angry all the time. And she says sort of to herself, but Needy overhears her, it's wearing off. And Needy's like, what's wearing off? Like, why are you acting so weird? Like, you have to talk to me. Yeah. Um, we also find out that a Low Shoulder is releasing Through the Trees as a benefit single, and it's, they're donating 3%. Which Needy's like, that's exploitative, this is bullshit. And she gets into another argument with Chastity. He's like, they are national heroes. They save people from the fire, which is, again, all totally fabricated. Yes. Um, so emo Colin asks Jennifer on a date. And at first she blows him off, but then she realizes Needy kind of likes him or always like thought he was cool, which totally changes her opinion of him. And she says, Colin... How about I don't want I don't want to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show because I hate boxing movies. So why don't you just come over to my house tonight and we'll watch Aquamar- Aquamarine on DVD? So Colin's like, sure, whatever you want Great. me to do. Yeah. So we have these sort of like dueling scenes of Chip goes over to Needy's house and he's like, I got more condoms at Super Target, so we're good. And um, <laughs> Chip has a little like aromatherapy diffuser that he puts on. And he's like, let me know. I have holiday scents. Kind of like setting up the mood for romance. Meanwhile, Colin is driving to an address that Jennifer gave him that is a house under construction in a totally uninhabited housing development. And so he's showing up. So we're sort of seeing this. This is pre-Google Maps street view. That's for sure. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Now you'd be like, hey, Jennifer, it seems like maybe you live in an abandoned house that doesn't have windows yet. But I'm kind of concerned about that. But also, Colony's like, listen, this is my chance. I'll, yeah. If we need to fuck it in She's unfinished house, great. Um, and so we see uh, Chip and Needy like having like a positive, consensual sexual experience. Meanwhile, Colin shows up, and uh, Jennifer is listening to Akon's "I Want to Love You," and that of course great is the radio edit, and has lit all these candles, and is sort of you know starting to seduce him. And Colin says, "This isn't really your house, right?" 
And she says, it could be our house. We could play mommy and daddy. And Colin has the wherewithal to be like, well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> like, no. what the fuck does that mean, you know? And uh, the the house also is filled with mice because it's like open air. Like, they like they were just able to walk right. in. He's like, oh, there's vermin. She's like, I thought guys like you were into this, this kind of thing. It's like, no one's into that kind of thing. <laughs> right, it's like, I wear eyeliner. I don't want to have sex on a bed of rats, you know? <laughs> and um, she also Very tells Brahms. him, like, I've been flirting with you all year. Like, you give me such a wetty. Which is what Diablo Codyism that was a bridge too far for me. I'm like, do nope. not. It's like the hottie of the naughty. No one has ever said naughty. No one has ever said wetty. No. Mm-mm. Nor should they. Um, unfortunately, Jennifer says, I need you to be frightened. I need you to feel hopeless. And she unhinges her jaw and attacks him. And because they have such an intense, potentially sexual, romantic connection... Yes. While Needy's having sex with Chip, she starts to visualize and sort of experience what's going on with Jennifer. So she looks, and all this blood is pouring through the ceiling. And she but turns, not re, in real it's life. Not like real. she's just seeing that. Okay. Yeah, like she wipes at her face as it drips on it, and she looks, and there's nothing there. And there's so nothing she's there. just okay. psychically experiencing, gotcha, like, gotcha. oh, this violence is happening. And she yes. looks, and she sees Jonas's ghost. And then next to um, Jennifer, who's sort of crouched in a succubus-type position over him. And she screams, but Chip thinks she's having an orgasm. So Chip's like, boy, I'm really knocking it out of the park. You know, like, I might be 16, but I'm really, I'm good at having sex. Killing it. But eventually she stops him, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, am I too big? Did I hurt you? You know, trying to be thoughtful, but also, like, she's not telling him, you know? So that's, like, another issue is, as we all know in in every horror movie, tell your partner what you're going through. Yes. No, the sex was fine. I was simply imagining gallons of blood pouring on us and my (laughs) best friend and a dead boy, you know? So I think we're to think that that they are so connected that she is starting to have these omens and and premonitions even if she's not consciously aware of what's going on yet. And Needy freaks out, and she runs to her car, and she drives, you know, erratically back to her house, only to see a blood-covered Jennifer walk in front of her car, and she veers off the road. Always with the blood. And she stops, and she looks behind, and he's like, oh, Jennifer's gone. No, Jennifer is leaping onto the hood and shattering the windshield. What? And Needy's able to throw the car into reverse and then speed back to her house. The problem is that her mother, Amy Sedaris, is doing another swing shift. So now Needy is alone. She's alone in her home. So she does the most natural thing, which is, of course, go to bed. Couldn't be me. What? No. Something like that happens to you. I'd be awake in my closet holding a weapon. Yeah, I'm getting a knife. I'm barricading myself in the bathroom. Yeah. I'm calling my mother. Mm hmm. And I do think it's interesting she doesn't go back to Chip's house where, like, he and his family are. She stays yeah, that, alone. That would be the better option. And I guess we're to think, like, they are not connected in the same way that she and Jennifer are. Mm-hmm. Like, they are yeah. not—it wouldn't occur to her to go back. So she goes right. into bed. Unfortunately, when she turns on the light, Jennifer is already there under the covers and kind of shocks her. <gasps> and Jennifer—and Needy's like, you need to get out of my house— And Jennifer starts to come on to her, and she's playing with Needy's hair, and she says, you know, we always share your bed whenever we have slumber parties, and then she kisses Needy, and they kiss for a while, and then she pulls back, and Needy Needy then uh, leans in to her. So now, like, Needy is the pursuing one. Yes. And she climbs on top of her in bed, and they're making out, and it's sort of like, okay, we, this is what has been underneath our French. This is what's happening. Unfortunately, there's still the little issue of Jennifer still being a demon. And so Needy shoots up, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, are yes. you, like, get the right. fuck out of what, my house. Why are you, know? you always covered in blood when I see you now? Like, Yeah, and she's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna call the cops. And Jennifer's like, yeah, call the cops. We'll see what they can do about it. Right. And so finally, Jennifer explains what happened on the night of the fire. Okay, so they take her to the Devil's Kettle, wa- Kettle's Waterfall. And in the car, Jennifer's looking around. There's, like, a skull, a book with a pentagram on it, like, candles. And she's like, oh, no. And she even says to them, oh. like, are you guys rapists? And one, of the, and then one, and Nikolai's like, oh, I hate girls. Like, obviously. Okay. If, yeah. So, unfortunately, she's now alone in the woods with six guys she doesn't know. Already a fucking nightmare. And right. And all of their weird, satanic exactly. crap. 
They have a plan they picked her for, and one of them says, are, are we even sure she's a virgin? And she said, uh, yeah, I'm a virgin. I've never had sex. So if you guys think that I'm, like, going to have sex with all of you, I'm, I, I don't even know how. So you should probably get somebody who wants to do that. Again, because she's misunderstanding the situation. Yeah. She thinks, oh, no, they all want to have sex with me. They're looking for a virgin. Yes. Unfortunately, mm. again, sealing her fate. So they drag her out of the van, and they tie her to the ground, and they light these torches— and Nikolai's like, oh, I found this ritual online. And he starts to read the ritual. Oh, good. And good one, of the, one of the band members is like, I don't know, should we, like, I don't know if we should do this. And Nikolai says, do you want to be a loser and work at a coffee shop for the rest of your life? Or do you want to be rich and awesome like that guy in Maroon 5? And his bandmate says, <laughs> Maroon 5. And so Nikolai explains. Do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days? There's so many of us. They're all so cute, and it's like, if you don't get on Letterman, you're screwed, okay? Satan is our only hope. We're going to have to butcher you and bleed you. And then Dirk here is going to wear your face. <laughs> Relax, we kid him at the face. The rest is going to happen, though. And as he's about to kill her, he's like, wait a minute, Jenny. Jenny. And they start singing uh, 8675309 by Tommy wait. Two-Tone. Wow. And, um, Expensive. They are all like singing it a cappella, and then finally he just stabs her in the torso. And it's shot, you know, in a tasteful way, but she is just yes. torn apart. Ugh. And we hear her screaming. And when they're done, Nikolai takes the knife and he throws it in the devil's kettle. So ostensibly, no one will ever find it. Okay. However, once they leave her, Jennifer resurrects and then finds herself on the road back to town, covered in blood. Even she doesn't remember really what happened. And unfortunately, wow, okay. she finds her first victim, Ahmed, the foreign exchange student, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everyone assumed had died of the fire, so no one even knew that he was missing. And she said, oh, are you lost? Follow me. I know the way back to town. And then takes oh, him into the woods and just okay. eats him. Okay. And so Jennifer explains, like, when she, when she has eaten somebody, she's basically unkillable. It's just that when she hasn't eaten for a while, she becomes weak and more vulnerable, which and is good is information to have. Yeah, that is good information to have. And that's something that happened from being stabbed near the whirlpool. So what we're to understand what Needy finds out eventually, it is because the ritual was done correctly, but Jennifer was not a virgin. Oh. So it did work. Like, that's why Low Shoulder is becoming successful. They did right. sacrifice a woman to the devil, but because she was not a but virgin— But they also created a demon. Yeah, the demon was able to inhabit her body, and now she Got has it. to eat somebody, a boy, once a, a month, pretty much, um, in order to survive. And if right. not, she loses her power. Feels very menstrual. <laughs> yes, yeah, vampiric, you know. And um, Anita's like, okay— I. I love you, and you're my best friend, and very sympathetic. You cannot keep killing all of our classmates. You know, like, and Jennifer's <laughs> That's like— a reasonable request. Yeah, and Jennifer is like, no, let me stay the night. We could play boyfriend and girlfriend like we used to. And Nidhi's like, oh, I'm going to have to— That's a no for me. You yeah, know? no, no. Um, and Jennifer leaves, and sort of like, they're like, okay, we're not talking to one another. Um, Needy realizes that she has to stop um, Jennifer. So yeah. she goes to the library. So this is a public school library, but luckily it Perfect. has an occult section. It's not very large, but she's able to do some paranormal research. And that's when she figures out, okay, Jennifer wasn't a virgin. That's why she's being inhabited by a demon. And the only, I have to kill her, but I have to wait until she's incredibly weak. I cannot kill her when she's full strength. Okay. Um, because okay. she's basically invincible. Yes. And she withdraws both from Jennifer and from Chip. And her concern is that Jennifer... Has, has this, like, jealousy attraction to Chip as well. It's just sort of like, obviously, she likes Chip because she, he's Needy's boyfriend, you right. know? And at a certain point, she's like, you know, Chip's looking really good to me. And so Needy's concerned, if he is attached to me, she's going to target him. So she breaks mm-hmm. up with Chip. But to be fair, she does sit him down and tell him, here are my concerns. And Chip's like, I am concerned that you are having a psychotic break or, like, a mental— like, you're having some sort of breakdown. We should get talk to somebody. And he's not wrong. Also, like, that wouldn't be a bad idea in general. I mean, I'm sure she could get some stuff off her chest. It wouldn't hurt. Right. But she's like, please do not go to the spring formal because I'm concerned that it will be a month after the last time she ate and she will just pick someone from the the Mm -hmm. dance and eat them. And, yeah. And he's like, but I I already bought your corsage. Are are we going together? She's like, I do not, we cannot be together because I'm afraid that she will target you if we're together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Chip's like, oh, wow. 
okay. Meanwhile, he's not like accepting the reality of what she's saying, but he he does understand that they have broken up. Um, and Needy decides that she will go to the spring formal alone just to monitor Jennifer and stop her if she starts to pick mm-hmm. up a boy. Um, so my question to you then, Allison, spring formal is coming up. Who right. will survive? Who will survive? I mean, it seems like Needy will just because we saw her at the beginning. Um though not the same life. I think Chip will die. Okay. And I think... I think it's going to seem like Jennifer dies, but maybe she has not. Great. Love it. Okay, so they're all getting ready to dance separately. Uh, Amy Sedaris is dressing up needy in this, like, horrible 80s pink gown. She looks insane. They're taking photos. Chip is super bummed. He has the corsage. His mom gives him pepper spray. Yeah, that's going to help. Yeah, it's like apparently when Colin Gray was found, he looked like, quote, lasagna with teeth. So she's oh. like, take this pepper spray. But I was like, if you know there's a killer killing teenage boys, drive your son to the dance. I would say maybe you don't go out anymore. No, the dance is canceled. Right. I say one cannibalistic killing, the spring formal's off. Yeah, I understand right. we're excited all year, but we we just can't yeah. do it. No, we can't do it. We see Jennifer getting ready, and she looks so exhausted. Like, she has to eat. Like, she is, like, her skin looks horrible, mm-hmm. and she's, like, trying to cover it with makeup, but she's falling apart. Her hair's coming out. She needs to feed tonight. Nice. Unfortunately, Needy arrives at the um, dance, and Low sh- Shoulders actually playing the show as, like, a benefit show. Oh, God. Like, it's like, oh, my God, all of her fans, all the kids are screaming, excited. Needy, of course, is like, fuck these motherfuckers. For reasons beyond my understanding, again, I'm not a parent, Chip's mother lets him walk to the dance. Of course, oh he's intercepted by Jennifer. And Jennifer's like, I, sh- I didn't want to tell you this, but I just want you to know that before he died, Colin Gray and Needy were porking on a sem- semi-regular basis. And they were doing <laughs> totally varsity shit that you don't even know about. You know, just, like, try to humiliate him and, like, create yes. a rift, uh, you know, in his mind. Because he obviously still loves Needy and, like, wants to be with her. And he's like, oh, that's crazy. I didn't know. And, and Jennifer says to him, like, you know, I have feelings for you. And I care more than than I ever wanted to admit. So they start making out. And luckily, Needy is a smart person. And she realizes, wait a minute. If Jennifer's not here, she's probably with the one person that I told not to come to the dance, Chip. So yeah. she sprints off trying to find them. In the meantime, Jennifer has taken Chip to, Chip to a sort of like an abandoned um, indoor rec swimming pool. I don't exactly know what kind of facility sure. is, but it's an indoor swimming pool. It's sort of like we saw in um, It Follows. So okay. it's, it's decrepit, it's full of plants, but still filled with like this disgusting acrid water and bugs. And they go mm-hmm. in there and they're kissing and Jennifer says to him, tell me that I'm better than needy. And Chip's like, I'm not going to do that. That's not what's going on here, is it? Like, is that why we're making out? No. And he eventually he says, he, he stops her. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't do this to Needy. And Jennifer's like, oh, okay. And then she just throws him in the pool and just starts kicking his ass, essentially, like trying to, like, <laughs> drown him, like taking out all this anger yes. at towards Needy out on Chip. Luckily, Needy is able to figure out, I'm not exactly sure how, that they're at the swimming pool. She rushes okay. in. Sure. She leaps on Jennifer Hauls him away, but Jennifer is already bitten through Chip's neck, and Chip is bleeding out into the water. And uh, Needy's able to drag him out, and then she and Jennifer have this like face off, like "fuck you, you bitch!" Like, how could you do this? Like, you could have had any boy. Like, did you target Chip because he was mine, or are you literally that insecure? And Jennifer's like, "I'm not insecure. You're crazy." And they sort of have this like tete a tete about right. like how secretly Jennifer is this like neurotic, anxious, insecure girl, even though she mm-hmm. pretends to be perfect and, like, the hottest yeah, girl in school. confident and hot, yeah. It could be both, you know? It can. It often is. <laughs> and uh, and Dee, Dee sort of gets some shots off on her, and Jennifer's like, I am going to eat your soul and shit it out with Nikki! thought you only murdered boys. I go both ways. Bisexual Beautiful. icon Jennifer Check yes. in Jennifer's body. And because they're having, like, the back and forth that I love in a horror movie, this gives Chip enough time to spear Jennifer through Perfect. the torso with a broken-off pipe. 
And okay, she doesn't great. die, but because she's weakened, she's like, fuck this. She bails and escapes oh, wow. to try okay. to go recuperate and, like, regenerate her Eat body. somebody else? Unfortunately, Needy's cell phone fell in the water, so they have no way to call for help. So she can only stay with Chip as he bleeds out from his neck. And oh, they have God. this moment, and they tell each other, you know, I love you. Mm-hmm. And then, Chip, I'm sorry. You did. Future rap on Chip. So, at this point, there's only one thing that uh, Needy can do, which takes us to the beginning of the movie when we saw mm-hmm. um, Jennifer in her yearbook. Literally, she's circling a guy's um, head and it, writing next to it, yum, like picking out her next victims. And <laughs> as she turns off the light, Needy leaps through her bedroom window and attacks her with a box cutter. Oh, And they are shit. wrestling on Jennifer's bed. And Jennifer lifts them both up in the air so they're floating over her bed brawling, and Needy rips her best friend's forever necklace off, and Jennifer sort of falls back to the bed, and Needy stabs her in the chest. And in her last breath, Jennifer says, my tit. And Needy says, no, your heart. Killing Jennifer. Yeah. And then a second later, Jennifer's mom comes in and was like, baby, what's going on? And she is screaming and hysterical, and I thought it was like a really interesting, fun scene to have this like, climactic, victorious moment, and then like to have Jennifer's mom walk in on Needy murdering her daughter. Yes. And her mom isn't scared of Needy. She's just so distressed. Like, she's known Needy her whole life, pretty much. Like, she's just so horrified, and Needy collapses next to Jennifer's body. And that's why she's in a psychiatric facility, is like, you know, and I think there's enough of a trail to be like, oh, she was obsessed. She was going to the occult section and checking out books, like, there's enough evidence in my mind where it's like she was yes. having some sort of psychotic issue yes. versus she's like some cold-blooded killer. Right. So finally, we meet up with Nidhi again. She's in solitary confinement, and she tells us we see a scar on her shoulder from where Jennifer bit her as they're fighting on the bed. And she said, you know, most mm-hmm. occult scholars don't know this, but if a demon bites you and you survive, you gain some of its abilities. And the next thing you know, we see Needy floating up to a high window in her cell, because it's like an above-ground cell, kicking out the window and escaping the institution. And as she's making her way to the highway, she finds the knife that was thrown in Devil's Kettle and a bunch of the orange balls. And she realizes she found where the whirlpool lets out. And she takes the knife and she flags down a car. And the car says, oh, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to Madison. He said, wow, why are you traveling all the way east like that? And she says, I'm following a band. This is going to be their last show. And so what we next then see is sort of like uh, security footage, crime scene footage of low shoulder arriving at their hotel and being brutally murdered. And the last wow. show is of security footage of Needy walking away from their hotel suite. So in the end, she did take revenge for what happened to Jennifer. Yes. And I do think that, like, I do like that that came full circle, that we weren't going to, like, let that thread be like, and these guys were successful and happily ever after, and they, exactly. like, play the Billboard Music Awards. Like, it's not, you know, that. Right. Yeah, it's like she had to stop her, had to stop Jennifer, but also it wasn't Jennifer's fault that this all happened. Right. So what, Allison, in your mind, are some fatal mistakes that people made in Jennifer's body? <laughs> Mistakes. I mean, again, it's a constant problem we have in a lot of these movies, but not telling someone when things start going left. Like, yeah. when you start, when, when violence begins, or even weird behavior, like Jennifer showing up covered in blood and vomiting black bile that's alive all over needy, like, that would have been when you needed to say something to somebody. Even if it was another yeah. teen. Like, just start getting, get J.K. Simmons and his hook in the mix. Like, anybody would have helped. Yeah, I guess, like, because even you could say, like, oh, um, you know, not that she's a demon, but that I, I think Jennifer knew about this. Like, put her, put Jennifer on right. the police's radar or the school's yes. radar. Even if it's not like, oh, I'm not saying that she ate Jonas, but I think she might know or something Something's happening. It. Yes. Yeah. And I guess, like, she tried to tell Chip, and Chip was as sympathetic as he could be, but at the end of the day, Chip, like, he just couldn't wrap his mind around it. Which right. I think is the problem with something like a demon is and most people you talk to, they're not going to be, they're not going to believe, believe you. They're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe you. And this is why public school funding is important because we need to have occult mm-hmm. sections in every public school library so the kids could do this kind of research. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a just one segment. Uh, I was trying to sure. think of a play with a high school, um, but so I was trying to do high school. All right. And my high question to you, thank good. you. And my question to you is: What demon power would you have wanted in high school, and who would you have used them against? Note: These could be any powers. It doesn't have to be just be the powers we see displayed in this film, which have sure. limited application in high school. Because I don't want to murder yeah. anybody. Right. No, I don't. I would have. I mean, if I I could have, I would have um, made everyone Burnett um, because I Love was uh, like. Like, everybody who was, it was like, I mean, I joke about it all the time, but I went to school with a bunch of, like, Christian blonde hair. It was like golden retrievers that believed in Jesus was, like, oh the my God. popular slash majority of my high school. So <laughs> That's the next Air Bud movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a dog's purpose. Um, I think, like, that, and then, like, I would know, because, like, I feel like there were not many, everybody was blonde, and it felt like that was mm-hmm. such a, like, Specific, and that's like culturally something like a blonde is hot, but like, I mean, I guess Megan Fox proves the opposite. Um, she's our hottest brunette we have. She's the hottest brunette we have. I would have leveled the playing field and made everybody have brown hair. I love it. That's yeah. really smart. What would yours be? I was gonna say, I want something like sort of in the movie when she has just fed, she is like glowy and like her hair looks great. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. so I guess I was like, I would want that part. I guess if I had to eat somebody once a month, I would do it. But then I was like, oh, what I really want is like my hair is perfectly done, my makeup is done. I'm like mm-hmm. wearing, you know, early 2000s, whatever was popular. I'd want to like be dressed up. I was like, I guess what I actually am wishing for is uh, YouTube. Because if I'd had YouTube in high school, I feel yep. like I would have had more information of like how to wear makeup and like what clothes are cool. Right. I was thinking makeup because I was like, all these girls knew how to do makeup and I didn't know how to do makeup. And it's like, again, that problem doesn't exist for this generation. And also like, you shouldn't be wearing makeup in high school. You have perfect skin. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's like the one it's time not where it's the like, time. I didn't need it. I did The makeup no. I put on made me look way worse. Way worse. Older, but like not in a good way. <laughs> no. Yeah, I look like tan mom or something. Yeah. Which was also a tanning. Oh, my God. That was an error. Hopefully that doesn't come back. Oh, tanning. That was, I spent a lot of time in tanning beds, and I'm worried about that. Um, and then finally, um, on the spooky scale, where would you rate Jennifer's body? A spooky scale. I mean, I think the fun of it definitely brings it down the spooky scale, though it seems like I would have enjoyed, I would I would enjoy this movie aside from some of the gorier parts. So I would give it, um, I think, a six. Okay, great. Um, in terms of scariness, I'm going to give it a four because mm-hmm. I, I think because the same thing, like the comedy, I find it not necessarily scary, but I think it is well directed. I think the acting mm-hmm. is great. I think the actual gore and the visual of it is really satisfying. But yeah, I um, it, I love it. This is one of my like top ten like movies I watch over wow. and over again, along with like Mean Girls and um, yes. Clue. Uh, yes. You know, just something that you put on. You're like, I need to do something else and watch something. Jennifer's Body is right at the top of the list. I love that. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, yes, another great movie. Another great episode. Knocked it out of the park once we again. Really like did. We always do. We always do. And. Uh, if you have movies you'd like us to do on the podcast, uh, you know you can you can send us messages on Instagram or you can email us at ruined. Oh, fuck, what is it? Ruined at <laughs> the radio point dot com. I always start saying it, realizing I don't know our email address. Um, but you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ruined podcast uh, and. Uh, Listen, rate, review, subscribe, all those things you're supposed to do to podcasts. Uh, we we love you. <laughs> and in addition to all those things, please, mm-hmm. we're asking you. You have to. Fundamentally, keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Thank you, guys. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. 